This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, good morning. Good morning. I I hope you've had a, a great week, and I'm so excited about our time here together today. I want to bring you a message today entitled, Arrived. Arrived. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verse number 21, uh, and then we're going to read just a, a few verses, then we'll come back around to the story. But again, Mark chapter 5, verse number 21. Why don't we pray and ask God to open his word to us today? Father, I want to thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence, for your spirit. I ask you, God, that right now you'll look inside of who we are. We know that you've guarded this time, this time together for those that are here, those that are listening. I pray, Lord, that you will just speak into their hearts, speak into their lives. Father, I thank you for how you have spoken to me this week concerning this passage and for what you're going to do now in this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse number 21. Jesus got into the boat again. Notice that he got into the boat again. And he went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue. Okay, so we're getting some, some details here. I want you to notice that he went back across the lake to a very specific place. There was the local synagogue whose leader's name was Jairus. And Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading with him fervently. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. May the Lord bless this word today. I, I want to talk to you about this passage, but let me just say that, you know, there's a lot going on in our lives. There's a lot of opportunities before you right now, and it's a busy time of year. I'm delighted that you're listening today, that you're here, a part of this, this service today. I am so thankful that, that we are, you know, we're in a time of blessings and we're in a time of, uh, of moving forward. And, and, but, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, something that our, our families have been looking forward to, the kids in our congregation have been looking forward to is, has, uh, just, uh, it's just around the corner. We are days away from the big day. I mean, Christmas has arrived. And, you know, you have to think about it when Christmas is here. You have to, you know, you have to get your shopping done. And I tried to get a lot of my shopping done way early this year with me being traveling uh, to Israel. And, uh, and I wanted everything ready. And when you're buying gifts, you, you kind of have to wonder, will the gift that I bought be appreciated? Will it be the right size or will it be the right color? Will somehow the gift that, that I have given be something that they treasure? Or will it be something that they're kind enough just to say thank you for and, and then it goes on a shelf somewhere? You know, uh, you, nev- you never know. You never know what that will be. You ask yourself, will somehow the gift that we have been given even uh, be a glimpse of what we hoped it, it would be? That we hope to how they would receive it. Will the gift let the one who receives the gift know just how grateful we are to have them in our lives? I, I mean, I have a friend that it was like if you gave him a, a cup that you just finished with, he would be like, oh, I've always wanted this cup. I mean, he was just his gratitude level just took it to another level. And, and you always wanted to give him gifts because of the way that he responded to the gift that you gave him. 
So what do we do when we we're picking out gifts for, for people this time of year? We, we search, we compare, we save whatever it takes to find just, just the right gift and be able to purchase that. Or at least that's the way it, it works in the life of someone who as scripture refers to it as who has the gift of giving. You know, I know people that they, they just hate this time of year because they don't know what to give people and they don't know how to respond. And, and it's just really not from their heart. But but ha- that's one of the ways I say I love you is, is the gift of giving. And the gift should really say, I value you. I love you. Now, not all gifts are, are given out of a desire to bless someone. Not all gifts are, are given because you want to say, hey, I love you. But some gifts are given as a response to need. I mean, some gifts are desperate attempts to change the situation for someone that we love. I mean, you know that you, you would rather give them something that they more desired, but instead you have to give them something they need. It's no different than for a family member to be the donor in certain transplants or whatever it takes for that person to be well, that they're, they're willing to do whatever it takes to go the distance so that person will be well. You see, some gifts are, are, are not so much desires, but they are, they are needs at the very fabric of who they are. Well, it was that kind of gift that motivated Jarius to come to Jesus. I want you to understand all the dynamics about this passage that we just read. You see, the need was great. The need was urgent. His daughter was dying, and short of a miracle, she would be lost at any moment. Short of a miracle, she was in trouble. He's looking at his daughter. He, he, he doesn't know how to respond. He doesn't know how to help her. I mean, I've been there when, when my little girl was uh, at, at the point of death and, uh, I was trying my best to figure out how do I help her. And, and honestly, some of the things I was doing to try to help out of my ignorance weren't helping. They were, they were hurting as, as, uh, as, as what her condition was. She didn't need anything else to drink because her, her brain was dehydrated at, at that moment. And, 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 and I was just, you know, here, have another sip of this and just trying to make her comfortable and trying to, help her feel better it was actually hurting her and so jerry's i understand his frustration what do i need to do how can i help my daughter you see the need was great the need was urgent his daughter was dying and so so what is he to do well jerry's makes a decision he breaks all kinds of boundaries he's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure his daughter is rescued and he makes a very public and desperate cry for his daughter. Now, we know the story from what we just read as the moment that Jairus comes to Jesus. As that moment when he says, my little girl is dying and, and I need you to come. I, I need you to come and rescue her. But in that moment, because of our, our Western mindset, we're missing so much. We're, we're missing so much that we need to understand. We're missing so much that, that will speak into the, the beauty of this moment. You see, there's a little side note that says something we need to notice. It says that Jarius was the leader of the local synagogue. His position His standing placed him in a position that caused him not to be able to be a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, not only was Jarius not really supposed to be following Christ, Jarius had found himself because of the the more popular dominant national theme of the religious leaders positioning themselves against Jesus. Jarius had had to find himself in a position against Christ. But here at this moment, everything's being shaken. For him to be seen 
even listening to the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, it would be some sort of a seal of approval. People would be like, well, Jairus was there. Jarius came, the, the local synagogue leader was there, and so simply because he was there, it would have given a, a seal of approval for the, the teachings that Christ was giving, and ultimately that would have caused an amazing problem for Jarius and his, his superiors and those over him. You see, this desperate journey, this moment that Jarius is having to respond to was, was more than, than just his, his plea for his child. He literally was risking everything. But I want you to get this. When you have the right motivation, it is amazing what you will give up to get what is needed. When you really have the right motivation, the distance that you will go, what you're willing to walk away from, what you're, what, what things you've held dear, what, when you've got the right motivation, you realize that some of the things that, that, that you thought were important, they're not as important after all. Some of the pride that you've carried, some of those things, when it comes down to that point of true desperation, you, you reach that place and you know that you, you, you know that you know that you know you've got to do something. And you see, Jarius came to that place. And not only did he reach that place in a personal matter, Jarius, he, he did this in a very public way. He did not make this appeal privately, but he made this appeal in front of everyone. Jarius, he threw his reputation, he threw his career and anything else necessary to the wind so that he could rescue his daughter. And we're going somewhere with this. I don't know if you can hear where we're headed yet in this, but I want you to, I want you to get this. We're talking about a father who would be willing to give up everything so that he could rescue his daughter. And he was willing to do it publicly. You see, Jesus was her only chance. And I, I, I know that I'm getting off track here, but I've got to tell you that Jesus is, is all of our only chance. Jesus is the only hope that we all have. And Jesus being her only chance, he was not going to let anything hold him back. Jarius was going to get to Jesus. Listen to what he says. I want you to catch this. Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is dying. My daughter. Would you just say that with me? Would you just say that my, my daughter, say those words, my daughter. Those words are important in this story. You see, Jesus meets him with words of comfort and they begin walking toward his daughter. He makes an appeal, and they begin walking toward it. Let's pick up the story there in verse number 24. So 21, Jairus said, Jesus, unless you come, uh, my daughter is dying. Verse number 24, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered at the hands of many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything. Come on, say that with me. Everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed and of her terrible condition. 
Verse number 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had come out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you say who touched me? What a powerful, powerful passage. But I want you to understand today that here we find ourselves once again, we see the need. She can't live like this anymore without help from someone. She's going to die. Her dreams have already died. Her relationships are gone. She's, she's been considered unclean for so long that, that, that she's had to break off every relationship. She's become an outcast. Everything in her life that she valued has been taken from her. There was a real need. There was a real point where she knew she could not go on much longer. Can I, can I just say today? I don't know who I'm speaking to, but. I need you to understand when you've reached that place that you feel like you can't go on much longer. Just, just hear what I'm saying. Don't give up. Don't give up. I'm reminded of a, of a caller we had at the church one day and they said, Pastor, I've just got to tell you, I tuned into the broadcast and, and I heard you literally screaming, don't give up. Don't give up. And I made the decision. I wasn't going to take my life that day. Listen to me today. Don't give up. Don't give up. The one that can meet your need is just around the corner. But back with our story, this woman, she's been living with this condition for so long. Her life was already over. She was, she was just wanting to die. She'd reached the place that, that she was done. But for some reason, the story she'd heard in the street about this man, Jesus, and how he had healed so many had stirred something down inside of her. For some reason, when she heard that Jesus was healing the sick, opening the blind eyes, causing the lame to walk, when she heard what Jesus was doing, something stirred inside of her that she thought had been forgotten, that she thought had been forsaken. Suddenly, something has stirred in her, and she now feels hope again. Hope was stirring in her heart. I'm talking to somebody in this place. I'm talking to someone listening to the, to my voice today. You have hope. It's trying to break out of the darkness of pain. It's trying to shatter all of those things that have, that have tied you up and tied you down. There is hope and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the answer. But here's the problem. Even with hope, she knew the law. I mean, she knew her place. It seemed like she dared to believe, but would she be willing to go the distance? She knew the proper boundaries according to the law and her condition. If she were to touch anyone, it would make them unclean according to the law in her condition. If she had, if she had gone and, and done anything, uh, to, uh, uh, try to make a connection with someone, it would have caused them problems. And to make it worse, how could she be thinking what she was thinking? Because if she touched this holy man, this, this, this one who could possibly be the Messiah, if she touched him, it could mean death for her. They would have stoned her if they had discovered it. I mean, what, how could she be thinking this? But yet, she finds herself going to see, going to listen. She finds her in the crowd. Maybe no one will notice her. She decides... I won't touch him 
I just want to see him. And then as she gets closer in the crowd, she's obviously touching everyone around her, but she's become to that place where I can't live without touching Jesus. As she comes to that place, she decides, I'm not going to touch him. But but maybe if I just touch the hem of his garment, maybe if I can just touch the edge of his coat, it can't be that bad, right? I mean, I'm just just touching just just, just a part of his, his clothes. She's shaken by all the people pressing just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And then suddenly, suddenly, there he is. He's right in front of her. And as he passes by, all the boundaries scream at her. All the reasons that she shouldn't scream at her. And, and, and suddenly, she's, 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 she's facing all of that. She's facing her shame. She, her shame is staring her down. But she knows she's dying. She's dying one way or the other. She may die today, but the moment has arrived. She lifts her hand. She hesitates, and then she reaches through, and she just brushes the hem of his garment. When she does that, two things happen. A warmth like pure sunshine runs up her arm. And through her body. Immediately. She knows. She's completely well. I mean immediately. She knows. Everything. Has changed. In the joy of that moment. Suddenly she is shaken back to reality. Because she hears Jesus begin to demand. Who. Touched. Me. I mean, what do you mean? Who touched you, Lord? Uh, I mean, he says it again. Who touched me? The disciples are pleading with him. Lord, we don't understand what you're saying. And the whole crowd. I mean, there's a thousand people trying to touch you still as we're talking now. How, what do you mean? Who who touched me? We're trying our best to, to keep them from crushing you. But he demands it. Who touched me? And she knows she's caught. Verse 32. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. He's not giving up. Verse 33. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. Now I want you to listen very closely to verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, notice that word again. Remember that word from earlier? My daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Wow. She's exposed in front of everyone. She can't help, but it's all spilling out of her. She confesses what she has done. She has broken the law. I mean, people step away from her. She has crossed a boundary, and she she can now be put to death. She has gone too far. 
But in this moment, Jesus does something powerful that I have never seen before in this passage. And I want you to get this. It's as if Jesus becomes Jairus. And Jairus' name means this, God enlightens. I mean, I mean, he becomes the father in the story. Jairus had said, I will give anything. I will do anything so that my daughter might live. And suddenly, Jesus takes the position. He becomes the father who's dying. You see, I kind of wondered why did Jesus respond to Jairus' request to go somewhere else when he was being surrounded by people who needed his healing touch? Why Why was Jesus responding to Jairus' call? Why was Jesus going where Jairus wanted him to go? Why was he doing that? Because he recognized something in Jairus' plea. And all of a sudden, we see the same commonality come out in Christ. Jairus is a man who's willing to give everything, leave everything behind because his daughter is dying. He's willing to go the distance. He's willing to publicly declare who she is and what she needs. And he's willing to give everything that it cost him to reach to her. At this moment, as Jesus is joining him on this journey, joining him on a journey, why I believe that he joined him on this journey was because Jesus recognized the journey. Because Jesus now reveals who he is. Daughter, he becomes the father whose daughter is dying He becomes the desperate one separated by the boundaries. He becomes the desperate one that the law and sin have caused this distance between. And he becomes the one who is willing to rescue his child no matter what the cost. The moment has arrived. He sums it up in one word. Daughter. What he's saying is you are the one that I love. You are the one that I have crossed the universe to rescue. And no boundary will keep us apart. Hope has arrived for you. Listen to me today. This is the story of Christmas. Despite all the boundaries that our sins have created, despite all the the rules and regulations that we have broken time and time again, but despite all all of our pain and no matter how much our sin is staring us down and our shame is trying to get us to back into a corner. Jesus broke through every boundary. And he looks at us, calls us his own. He doesn't respond when we reach to him with a, how dare you, and you should have known better, but he looks at us. Can you not hear him? My son, my daughter, my child, I have risked everything to come for you. You see, he's passing by. He's passing by right this moment. He's coming. He's coming this way right this moment because he wants to do something amazing in your life. And yet, we sit and we wait and we wonder 
Will he accept us? Will he love us? Why would he go on a journey to rescue me when there are others? Because Jesus is all about the journey to you. Jesus is passing by, Pastor. What do you mean Jesus is passing by? Well, we know the promise where two or three are gathered together in his name. He is there also. We know, we know that great truth. We know the promise that where Jesus has, has said that when we ask in his name, we shall receive. We know the great promise. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why would Jesus be standing at the threshold of your life wanting to come in when, and, and, and you're thinking he wouldn't come the distance for me? Don't you dare believe the lie of the devil that says Jesus wouldn't come the distance for you. Jesus already came the distance and he went all the way to a cross and he went all the way to a grave. But praise God almighty, three days later, he arose from that grave. And now when you reach out to touch him, he won't shake you away. He won't, you won't die for reaching out to touch him. You won't be abandoned. He will look at you in love as sunshine fills your soul. As a bright new day begins, as the grace of the living God fills your life. Why all the lights and the, the twinkle of our Christmas season? What, could it just be a reflection of the joy of hope when the light of Christ shone in our heart when he looked down and he said, my daughter, my son, my child. One of the declarations we've made in our church here for years is we declare as part of the salvation prayer from this moment, heaven is my home. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. God wants you to know he's waiting for you to reach out to him. I want to take you on a journey. One of my favorite places in Israel. Now this second year of being there during the Christmas season. We are taken to a kind of off-site place. My wife is with me. We're with a small group. And we go to a small town that has just now been excavated. It is the town of Magdala. And so, in this town of Magdala, we are led into the oldest synagogue in Israel. A synagogue that would have been comparable with that synagogue nearby that Jairus would have led. We tour the synagogue. We walk down a little lower. And I'm going to tell you about Israel. There, there are parts that are, that are so amazing to see, and everyone should go there at some point. But there are parts that people say, this was this and this was that. And I'm like, I don't know. But not at Magdala. Because suddenly you step down through a couple of thousand years worth of debris. And they've uncovered the stones of the port of Magdala from the life error of when Christ walked upon this earth. Suddenly you realize in this story, Jesus has ported at this port. Jesus has walked through this street. And somewhere near where you are, on these very stones, Jairus had greeted him, pleaded with him, and Jesus had begun a journey. You're shaken by that for a moment, but then it gets better. We're taken into a small chapel they built on that stone level. And on the wall, there's a beautiful painting 
and it's a painting of a woman reaching through a crowd and touching the hem of his garments. As I walk into the room, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not overwhelmed by the fact that we're actually on the level. I'm not overwhelmed by the fact that we're actually looking at a masterpiece that's on the wall. But I begin to feel something in the room. And I recognize that what I'm feeling is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, I look around the room and some in our group don't know how to respond. Others are strangely quiet. I look to my, my right and there stands my, my, my wonderful wife and tears are streaming down her face. She feels his presence too. Her dear friend there begins to speak. As she begins to speak, she tells us of what is happening at Magdala. For you see, being the oldest synagogue, numerous amounts of Israeli tour groups are coming there to see the oldest historical synagogue in their, their nation. And then they're, they're brought to the chapel. And in the, chap, the chapel, they're shared with how Jesus called them his own. How that the father has been looking for his children. As she's talking, the people are obviously overwhelmed. And then she begins to tell of a very unique thing that's happening. She says, while we're in this chapel, you'll notice the women are very, uh, very uh, touched right this moment. She said, but, but when we bring in groups that don't know Christ, she said it happens regularly that someone in the crowd will begin to sob and then someone in the crowd will begin to sometimes even scream in pain. And she said, at those moments, we know exactly what's happening. She said, at those moments, we realize that, that there's a hidden sin inside of those women. Many of them, she said, we have discovered, have carried the shame of abortion. She said, they pour out their hearts. People who don't even know Christ begin to pour out their hearts of the shame that they've carried this hidden sin inside of them. And as they begin to pour out their hearts, suddenly we have the opportunity to share Christ and that numerous amounts of the people that are visiting there for historical reasons are now finding Christ in that place. This may seem strange to some of you, but instantly I knew that it wasn't strange because what we were feeling was, was the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you are telling people about Jesus, that's where the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be. But what really, really blew me away was the fact that suddenly I understood that that daughter, Jarius' daughter, the daughter who touched the hem of his garment, the daughter's that are being delivered there today, the sons that have been healed and set free, they're all part of the same journey. A journey taken on by a father who said, there's only one way to rescue my children. is to break every boundary, tear aside even the robes of glory and put on flesh and go and go the distance. Go across the universe and across time and become flesh so that my children might be rescued. As we're closing today, I don't know who you are and who your story or what your story might be, but this I do know. 
And God wants to be a part of your story. That God came across the distance for you. He came across the distance so that you might have life and life abundantly. If you're here today, if you're listening, I want you to receive this hope of Christ. If you're willing to call him father today to stop allowing sin and shame to push you back and you're allowing him to come in and rescue you, I want to pray with you right where you are. If you're willing to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you believe with me that if you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you're going to be born again. You're going to look at your yesterday and say, no longer. And pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I believe the promises of Jesus, the Messiah. And now by faith, I repent of my sins. For I am a sinner in need of a Savior. But by grace, I am now forgiven. By grace that is freely given from God above. Father, that's what I want you to be, my Father. And I want to be your child from this moment forward. I confess all that I am, all that I've ever been, all that I will ever be, now belongs to Christ. And in Jesus' name, I am now born again. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.